podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Today, I have an episode on the Pluto and Libra generation for you. As you may know, in evolutionary astrology, the placement of Pluto is very important. It's actually where I typically start when I do natal chart readings. And it's not just a generational signature, Pluto or the outer planets, they are, but there are individuals in a generation and Pluto themes relate to the deepest parts of ourselves. So our desires, our shadow, our addictions, our power, our relationship with power, and even our deeper reasons for incarnating. So yeah, just some casual, deep and heavy stuff and amazing knowledge to have about ourselves, about others, and about generations of people. If you're wondering, like, how can I do shadow work? Learning about Pluto and about your Pluto placement is a good way to start. I'm part of the Pluto and Scorpio generation, and I love the Pluto and Libra generation because my friendships and relationships with members of this generation has taught me so much about, well, relationship, which is such a key Libra thing. As an Aries myself and a pretty individualistic person by nature, though of course like most everyone I love connection, I have a lot of memories of these striking moments with Librans or Pluto and Libra people who said something in conversation or had a way about them that really inspired me and showed me new ways to collaborate and to build worlds with others. We haven't touched on this generation on an episode on the podcast yet, and I've been wanting to. And so I'm excited to bring you this episode. I'm also excited to introduce you to Sol Yonason if you don't know her. I knew of her peripherally as another evolutionary astrologer before meeting her at NORWAC, the Northwest Astrological Conference, and having a fascinating conversation with her in the hotel lobby of the conference, getting a reading with her, and seeing her talks at the conference. I was honestly smitten. I think Soul is wonderful, lively, unique, playful, and very profound. And I'll let her introduce herself in the episode in a moment here. As a note on Pluto and Libra, you'll have to look up your or any given natal chart to be sure um, what sign Pluto's in, but Pluto was in Libra roughly between 1971 and 1984. It would be kind of too tedious to give you the exact dates because Pluto's retrograde cycle brought it in and out of Libra at the start, as well as in and out of Scorpio at the start of Pluto's ingress into Scorpio in late 1983 and through 1984. So again, that's roughly 1971 to 1984, but look up a chart to be sure. 
Though we focused on Pluto and Libra specifically in this episode, you may find some of the principles and concepts that we discuss relevant to Pluto in the seventh house, or like a depth perspective on the Libra archetype itself that offers new insights on the sign. So with that, let's get into the episode. Welcome, Soul. I'm really excited to have you here. Hi. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been, um, it's very nice to see you again. I mean, we, uh, we had a nice conversation back in, what was it? It was Norwalk, right? In yeah. 2019. 2019. Mm. Or maybe 2018? Or was it? No, UAC was in 2018. So that I know for sure. So it was 2019. So yeah, nice to see you again. Absolutely. Yeah, I had so much fun meeting you. Um, And I would love to hear a little bit about you for the audience and um, how you got into astrology and evolutionary astrology. In particular, yeah. Well, the journey, uh, it's still a journey. Uh, and I don't know if I could have missed it. It was uh, by default, actually. I came into astrology. My father was dabbling in it when I was a child. So uh, when I was about three or four years old, they had these workshops in my house. So I grew up with this with these um, handwritten charts all over the place, you know. So uh, as I started... Well, I went into my critical Saturn, Saturn phase at 13, 14. I started questioning a lot of, uh, a lot in life. And I asked my father if he wanted to explain to me the general principles of astrology so that I could understand my own chart. And he led me on it, you know, like, so for a few years there, I had him sit with me and, and just answer all my questions. And then, um, the flame was lit. And from that, you know, like I couldn't resist. It was just impossible. So I tried actually a couple of times to not go deeper into astrology, but I guess it caught up with me in many, many mysterious ways, actually. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad, you know, um, because now I've spent, what, 20 years being a professional astrologer. And uh, I started out with that, you know, giving readings and stuff before I got into evolutionary astrology. Um, but I used to live in, in the capital of Norway and they had this huge bookstore where they had all kinds of, you know, astrological literature. It was like a heaven for me. I could go in there and, you know, read books. Um, Jeffrey Wolf Green, Alan Oaken, uh, Liz Green, you know, there were all kinds of books there. Bill Tierney, you know, lots of really high quality authors. And, um, and I picked up the Pluto book. And um, I was, uh, well, I was impressed. You know, yeah. wow, this is, this is, this is a whole new thing and I tried getting information on the astrological notes this was way before the internet community you know was open so we had it was only the books I knew no nobody else who was into astrology so it was just me and then I found some books by what's his name Schumann Martin Schumann on the astrological nodal axis because I knew something was going on there um because I had some of my most important aspects to 
to the nodal axis. Of course, I was kind of curious to figure out what that meant. And it was so hard to find any literature on it. But eventually I found that book, but mm, something wasn't quite, you know, what I expected. And then Maurice Fernandez opened up his astrological forum. I think it was back in 2002. And then I finally met some people from the United States, you know, where this community had been growing for some years, right? It was a whole different ambience over there. And I got a lot of my own, you know, thirst um, satisfied. And I took his classes later on. I think I started in 2004 or something to take the evolutionary, uh, the complete evolutionary classes with Maurice. And um, that was that, I guess. So it was the notes. I came through evolutionary astrology through the notes. Wow. So what's astrology like in Norway? Well, uh, we, as I told you, my father used to be part of, of the community and we had an astrological um, association here. I was part of the um, part of it for quite a few years as I hosted a few, um, I think, five conferences in Oslo. But I did it on my own personal initiative. I was loosely connected to the association, but it's been mostly centered in the capital. Now I live on the West Coast. We are two uh, working astrologers in this city. Most of the astrology of the last years have been going on online anyway, but, I, you know, um, the astrological community in Norway is very much associated with, uh, very connected to the British uh, community and to the Danish community. These are very active communities. Um, so there's been some, you know, people travel for the summer schools and there, there are people who are interested in and curious. And we actually have two astrology schools running consistently in Norway. So, um, yeah, there are people who are into it. Absolutely. You know, as, uh, and lately a lot more, right now it's reaching a, a, a deeper consensus, right? Definitely. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I think it's so awesome funny. too, that you, um, had that astrological opening at that Saturn opposition around 13, yeah. 14, um, and just that that's your profession now. So mm. kind of like Saturn kind of hinting at that earlier in your life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm born with Saturn on the south node in the sixth house. So it's like a workhouse, you know, like this. So it's probably um, why, you know, these Saturn transits are quite um, inspiring for me, actually. You know, it's like... Um, now, of course, you know, there's karma in it, you know, like I probably have done it before, you know, in one way or another. At least that's how it feels, because it felt so familiar when I started with right. it. It's like, oh, and it was just right in your it. environment growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Through my father, Saturn, you know, yeah. so. Um, yeah, uh, it's been a blessing. Absolutely. I'm extremely grateful that I get to live and practice as an astrologer and actually have it as a living because it's, yeah. um, it's something, you know, when you love something and you always come back to the love, even though there are difficult times and you have some sort of resistance and there are challenges, right? When you return to the love, that pure love of something that you just can't tire of, 
it's you know imagine the the blessing that is to be able to 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 spend all your time with it you know yeah. instead of having to you know, <laughs> You know, you have to go to a to a job that's like fairly uninteresting, and then you know be caught up in that. I relate so, uh, a lot. I count my blessings, to be quite honest. I, you know, so. So yeah, bringing it back to Pluto, um, how would you describe the astrological Pluto? Well, uh, there are, again, it's the outer planets. It's a transpersonal process. So um, I remember I had a conversation with my father about Pluto because it it, it um, crosses the ecliptic, you know, very specific way. And I told him, well, it's almost like it's the moon of our solar system, because that's how it kind of crosses the ecliptic. It goes underneath, and you know, like it really has this kind of like under over thing and it goes into the underworld. And, you know, it's it's kind of what it does. And. And he said, hmm, interesting. Yeah, wow, I never thought of that, you know. And, I, and that was very early. Now, later on, after being uh, versed in many different approaches to um, evolutionary astrology, because there are a few, um, I still sometimes wonder why this highly super potent small little thing out there, you know, can wreak such havoc in people's lives and just change everything from one day to the other and what it what that is about. But it is about evolution. And according to Jeffrey Wolf Green, and I agree with him, evolution is either cataclysmic or constant like an erosion, if you like. Now, most of us are, for safety's sakes, you know, living in some sort of denial about our own need to evolve or grow. It's one of the things that's most difficult with life is growing. And the resistance to growth is thereby the challenge with anything Plutonian, which is by its nature, growth-oriented evolution. It requires death and letting go and all the difficult things. Um, but it is a planet of power in a way, you know, this, this nuclear power. It was discovered at the same time as they kind of split the atom. So I associate it with nuclear power. And people who feel very empowered in themselves do have... Um, a good communication with their own Pluto, if you like, you know, they know how to move away from, from um, death, from anything, entropy, from things that stall stagnant energies, you know, they, they reinvent themselves. They understand what that means. And for a lot of people, uh, and, you know, uh, we might not be so eager to develop in certain areas, and then it becomes more cataclysmic and more brutal, as we sometimes see as well. But in esoteric astrology, I think I found one of the things that really lit my mind up. It's like, aha, uh -huh, hmm, you know, because... Jeffrey talks about the dual impulse of the soul, one wanting to separate and one wanting to go back to the source. Like it's um, that this very interesting point he makes there, like, well, what does that mean? Like, are we sometimes working against our soul's will? You know, do, do we do something like and then like we are actively sabotaging ourselves in a way? 
But then I read something in esoteric astrology, uh, which is the works of Alice Bailey, that states that Pluto is a first ray planet, uh, the ray of will, and it destroys everything that lays in the path of the soul. Like it just destroys everything that hinders the soul from expressing itself in life. The soul being true power, as opposed to uh, fake power or power you can get that is more, well, you can be very powerful if you're very beautiful, for instance, but that's just something that has somewhat of an expiration date, like, because one day you will be old, right? So you won't be, you know, like sort of, that's kind of like a changing power all the time, but a constant power would be the power of your soul. So Pluto takes away everything that is not in accordance with the will of the soul so that you can, you know, have an experience of your soul path in life. And and I think that's why, you know, because Jeffrey is very intuitive, the way that you can read his books, he's extremely intuitive. He's really onto something that is on a very deep level in our own lives, like on an existential level in our own lives. And I think he kind of caught that thing where, you know, we're, we're kind of like, sometimes it feels like we're not living the life that we're supposed to live. You know, we're, we're actively going, we're, we're doing something that's against our own will. We're separating in a way from ourselves. And then the Pluto will operate like this, you know, the separating in, like just get that thing away so that we can get back to the source. This is using this word source, come back to ourselves in a way. So uh, Pluto deals with a lot of our addictions, basically, you know, addictions to um, maybe power, which is, you know, for me, power is so essential in a person's life. To feel powerful in yourself is a very good thing, right? Uh, but how we get to that power uh, is not always the most constructive way, right? You have a lot of, for instance, codependent patterns, like I need you to make me feel powerful or you know, to to validate me, you know, or, or I need this work, this particular job to feel powerful or so and so much money or this or that type of health, you know, as we see a lot of that is just... Um, it's, it's not there forever. It will change all the time. But what is there forever is the source, you know, the, that contact with that, that point inside, which we will recognize as source. It just feels like source. And when you're there, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, there we are. This is it. This is the thing that you can't, that can't die. You know, it's like this beyond death in a way. And um, and maybe that's why Pluto has so much so much um, association with death, because it sometimes uh, initiates death in your own life. It could be a relationship that's dying, or your interest in your work is dying, or um, something you thought was true for you is dying. Right, like this kind of the, the the foundation of your life might be gone after a heavy Pluto transit, but what remains is the 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 pure life. You know that that which is life. This is this is where you know the energy of the soul is, and it's not easy to follow that path. Of course, the willingness to shed the old skin is is absolutely 
well, I, I don't think we get to develop it consciously in this life, you know, like the way we have our schooling systems and how we approach and then, you know, um, life in general is that some things are supposed to be forever, like a marriage, for instance, like until death do you part. You know, it's like, whereas the truth might be different, like maybe I need like this relationship for that and then I grow and then that dies and then I need something else. And you met those extreme Pluto types who are like, if it stagnates, it's death. It's like, get me out of here there. I can't breathe. You know, so this thing that Jeff mentions in his book, this exhausted, something has been exhausted. It's there. It's devoid of life. It's entropy. It's just gone through this huge destruction. And we might identify with the destruction, but if we identified with life, it would have been a little bit like we would have accepted the destruction because we know what's on the other side. And we see this with the COVID thing right now, because that was a Saturn-Pluto new phase, you know, new cycle happening in January last, well, this year, where a lot of the structures in our societies are greatly facing a challenge here. It's like, hmm, what can we keep and what do we need to let go of for the future? Because evidently a lot of our structures in our societies are not sustainable. It's like uh, it's we have a, a weak structure in loads of cultures and societies right now because of how things have been for the last 30 years or so, you know, with the economy and everything. So it will be interesting, but you can see how people hold on to the idea that, oh, after COVID, everything is just going to be back to the same. Sure, a lot of things will remain the same, but we will also see some different things like it's like everything is burnt down to the ground now and out of that soil comes new and fresh flowers. But destruction is never fun, though. I guess we can all agree on that as we're everybody's watching it right now. It's it's hard. Mm. Mm. What a brilliant <laughs> description of Pluto. Um, you just evoked it. And. Yeah, I think that that dual kind of relationship between desire for change and like the soul having this deeper vision or deeper plan and then the ego or like what's calcified, mm. really wanting to not mm. allow those things to happen. Um, the attachments that we have or the the way that we project ultimate meaning onto temporary things like a relationship, like I am who I am because of this relationship construct. And so if it ended, who would I be? And that dual impulse to be free and to reinvent oneself versus to cling and hold on to that which has caused or created security in the past. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's again something I've been thinking a lot about lately. <laughs> identity, attachment to identity, you know, um, we need attachments as well. You know, and, and nobody knows that better than Pluto. We work in soul groups, right? So we need each other. We can't just do everything on our own, even if it it feels sometimes like the right thing to do, right? But we just have to understand that the attachments, it all has an um, expiration date, like um, the milk in your fridge. Um, you know, eventually it's, it's not what's going to happen anymore, right? So... Um, 
you know, fortunately, if you are very fortunate and you really get to a, an expression of yourself that is truly authentic and really in accordance with your soul, uh, you will find probably relationships and relations to people that are more or less, you know, permanent, that won't, won't change, that won't be under the influence of, of Pluto always digging deeper to get all the subconscious stuff, you know, out there, you know, look what I found, mm-hmm, hidden motives, yeah. Uh, <laughs> intentions you didn't tell me about you know? so, yeah mm. so let's bring this to Libra then and placing Pluto in Libra or in the seventh house too and just how would you um you know describe this signature and how it how does Pluto combine with relationships and Libra themes specifically well <laughs> good question I am a Pluto in Libra uh, and it's you know it is a planet that is very into relationships you know anything that can you know um enhance growth right so uh, like pluto in scorpio is like that too you know like come on bring it on yes we have to learn to grow more now and from an evolutionary perspective the best thing with the evolutionary astrology i think is the natural zodiac you know like how they describe the evolutionary process from aries to to libra then back to aries again you know like how it's all connected to each other so out of virgo where the individual has come to a certain understanding of their own inherent loneliness in a way and starting to understand that there's a limit to how much i can do on my own you get to libra it's like maybe it's time to seek company maybe it's time to understand how to cooperate with others on an equal basis which is um basically what the Pluto in in Libra generation are looking for. We want these equal relationships. We want to be, we want to be in a way the same. You know, I grew up in the seventies. My mother was a working woman. Uh, She was her first generation. That was that. And of course um, that led to a lot of inequality in her marriage because she also had to do all the house chores, you know, like old school in my generation we've been fighting that pretty fiercely it's like rather be alone than having to clean up after a grown-up right so (laughs) it's about balance and justice and harmony within a relationship all the time sometimes to the extreme where you get into total denial about what's really going on in relationship just to maintain the harmony or to the other extreme where there's absolutely nobody coming in through my door because I don't believe in relationships a lot of these people saw their parents relationships go asunder you know we have now a divorce rate about 50 percent and evidently we haven't been taught how to be in relationships my father always used to say why don't they teach that stuff in school i don't get it they should teach this basic stuff you know like probably because he had his own experience with how difficult relationships can be it's really hairy you know you if one person is in denial of something then the other person can't talk about it because there's this denial thing going on so with the pluto or libra generation we are all you know our headlights are on we are researching the the premises of of relationships we are approaching it almost in a psychological way right as if it it, because it's it's quite therapeutic a lot of pluto and libra people end up being therapists and it's a good placement especially pluto in the seventh actually for therapists because 
Libra's superpower is to listen. Even though I'm Aquarius and sometimes they say Aquarians don't listen, I do have Pluto in Libra after all, you know. <laughs> so I do listen occasionally. But, you know, being able to listen in on your partner, whatever it is, if it's a child or if it's um, a partner, a romantic partner or an intimate partner, I think this whole thing with communication and listening and being able to understand is part of, of reaching a level of humanity between each other so that we are truly equals but then again it's a new face you know all the cardinal signs are new faces it's it's a new thing it's it's like for the soul it might be the first time they approach relationships in a very long time um so so with that kind of conscious this conscious relating to each other being aware of yourself self-consciousness being you know being aware that you can project stuff onto another person and have all your fantasies projected onto something and and all these things that that is part of of being in a relationship but it's new so it's it's it doesn't mean it might not have as much experience and wisdom inside as one would hope for so there's like a lot That's of the really, paradox actually that i've wondered with pluto and libra because yeah. On the one hand, sometimes the way that I've seen this generation approach relationship is so extreme, like tit for tat, everything must be fair. And it's like, it's too much like intensity around fairness in a way that is also shadowy, like they're not accounting for certain things, but also heavily over accounting for other things like that kind of thing. But I've also seen this generation be very charming and charismatic and very good at relationships. So like, are they new to relationship or are they well-studied, you know, past life socialites and courtesans, you know, like. Well, yeah, you could probably bump into a few of those hyper extreme diplomats in the this particular sign, you know, but a diplomat is never a coward. You know, it's like the, the huge thing with Pluto in Libra is that you will lose yourself if you don't maintain your individuality. The polarity points are extremely important when it comes to Pluto, right? So you have to understand that, you know, the initial challenge for a person in a relationship, the ultimate balance within a relationship is that you maintain your individuality and cooperate with another but that includes you know yourself well enough mm. and through all these relationship experiments like a serial monogamism if you like you know like i was four years there and three years there and then i was like briefly involved with this guy you know like <laughs> which is a very common thing with pluto and libra or no relationships at all after a while you just go into this <laughs> never happening again so but still the learning is to learn about yourself through all these relationships you know so it can be a, like sometimes i feel like there's almost like this cynical approach it's like sometimes when things aren't conscious it becomes the um, a path of elimination oh it's not that oh it wasn't that no that's not it no i'm not like this i'm not like that you know so the tendency is to outgrow a lot of relationships but you you learn from each and every relationship what you don't know on your own 
And in that, a great deal of codependency can arise. Like, you know, Libra has this thing, the shadow of Libra. And Maurice said that, and I was, it cracked me up. He said that Librans are bored with themselves. You know, like it's, it's kind of like I'm, I feel bored when I'm just alone. Like there's no growth, like nothing is it's feeding into my growth engines. And I'm here to grow through relationships and stuff. So sometimes we just reach out for relationship because we can't be alone, right? Until the Aries polarity point is developed where you instinctually know who you are. Right. So that that's that's so sometimes you can you get all kinds of varieties within a Pluto generation, but you know, um you have a lot of lone wolves with the Pluto and Libra generations, a lot of these eternal bachelors or, you know, people who can't find a partner because then none of them fits, you know, it's like people who are really coming into this lifetime learning to be alone because there's like a hangover of codependency from a previous lifetime that has to do with being overly dependent on other people's, for instance, opinions. What do you think, dear? You know, so how shall we do this? You know, like always outsourcing one's personal willpower over to a more dominant partner in a relationship. And you will all often get this dominant submissive thing going on within a Pluto in Libra generation, you know, thing. Until that Aries polarity point is has been developed, you know, which is yeah. like I stand firmly in myself. This is what I stand for. You know, I'm not here to talk you, you know, be that geisha archetype that you uh, that will always serve you. Right. So a lot of this people pleasing stuff is really that's why we are probably not as confronting as the Pluto in Scorpio generation or the Pluto in Virgo generation. We are more heads low. Let's wait and see what we think about this. I don't have an opinion yet. How can I? There are so many different viewpoints coming in here. It's all relative, right? So we don't really, you know, like the, we always, there's always a door open that you might not know the whole truth about another person. And a very developed Pluto and Libra person will also have enough psychological knowledge about people. So they they understand that what we see is not always the truth. Might be other pieces missing. We need to know, right? Wow. Yeah, this I'm thinking too about the difference between like just Libra by itself and this kind of pleasant, you know, exchange of meeting new people, learning new things, like it's fun, it's social, and you add Pluto and Eros into it. And I feel like there's this devouring or wanting to like completely kind of live out their relationship and that there can be this kind of attraction or intensity or compulsion toward another person until the karma is complete. And then mm-hmm. there's this like discarding or demonization and, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I think, um, when I now see- gonna, I'm now going to pick all your flaws so that I can push you away. Yeah. Right. And it's like, what about conscious uncoupling or something like that? What about, (laughs) what about a way of relating to people where it's like endings can happen without having to hate or destroy? 
no bombs in the mail, no hate mail, no, no stalking for years, no, no, you know. Now, conscious uncoupling was uh, the uh, the mind uh, child, or at least the woman who took it into a more uh, collective sphere was Gwyneth Paltrow. And she is Libra and she is Pluto in Libra. I, if oh, I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they were... The, Exactly. You know, conscious uncoupling. So, you know, uh, well, I, I'm great friends with all my exes and no problem there. You know, um, I like it when it's a little um, cerebral and decent, when people can, you know, have normal conversations and actually learn through each other's mirroring and understand that you have to be two to tango. This is not yeah. just something one person created on their own. And if we are ever to deal with codependency, we have to accept that fact. Like, what did I do to me, for instance, to myself to attract this relationship? And what does it tell me about me? And sometimes you get this really heady thing with a lot of Pluto and Libras. It's like, what am I supposed to learn from this? You know, like where it's way too cerebral and you just don't get your emotions expressed. For the psychological part that you were talking about earlier of having this psychological awareness of other people in relationship, that reminds me of what you were just saying of like, that accountability of like, I am also in this relationship. It takes two. Um, can you speak more to that like process and like how people can develop more of that? Well, it's an air sign, right? So it, it, air is perspective you get certain perspectives right so it it requires a more detached objective uh you sit with things for instance before you respond and react to things um it's it can be tricky though because it's all about owning up to who's responsible for what in any type of relationship what did i do what that person do and sometimes when you own up too much you know, I take all on me, you know, you, the, the other person, uh, uh, um, which would never happen with Pluto in Scorpio, the other person gets off a little, you know, easily, you know, like, it's like, okay, you can just go, you know, like, like I will do all the work, you know? So, uh, but if it's equal, you will have a fairness in the conversation where, where pride is not a part of the game, you know, where it's not a game. It's just about learning how to communicate in a way that, you know, um, um, that is not too emotionally charged where you're not blaming each other or, you know, uh, being overly aggressive towards each other or, you know, projecting on each other, like really owning up. And then you can have an actual conversation of what happened and what went wrong and where can we do better. But what is often the result is that there's a lot of talk and little change. You know, there's like a lot of good talk about all the things we should do better. And then three weeks later, we're back at the same spot again. So, you know, it might be theoretically interesting, but it, it also, you know, uh, at one point you have to just set a boundary, which is a very Pluto, uh, Aries thing to do. It's a, it's a just say no, say yes with equal, you know, uh, consciousness. Do you know who you are? If you know who you are, you know why you're in this relationship. Do you know who you are? If you know who you are, you wouldn't be in this relationship right? If this relationship is destructive and toxic, you can't in any way sugarcoat it. And then you have to use that area side again, where you pick up the sword and you just cut the ties and move on. 
So this brainy thing that sometimes goes on with the Pluto and Libra, the back and forth, and I don't know, should I, should I not, should I, should I not, is this eternal commitment phobia, which is so exhausting for the Pluto in Libra generation themselves. You know, sometimes you get it so intensified that it becomes almost like a fear of engaging it with other people because you don't know what's good for you. And if your boundaries are extremely weak because of that, you can be in situations that are not healthy or constructive. So, you know, I've been playing around with some art lately, and I think it relates a lot to, um, to the um, Pluto and Libra generation. I have my tattoo says yes, right? It's the only one I have. And then I wanted to make a t-shirt with, you know, like I'm making these designs with no on it. And then inside the no, there's a yes. And for me, it was such a um, essential bit of the Pluto and Libra generation, because you can't say no, unless you really know who you are. And you can't say yes either, if you don't know who you are. So how can you ever make decisions or choices in a relationship? You know, how can you, um, create healthy boundaries with each other, or how can you engage in, in, in mutual project together, right? If you don't really know why you're doing it and it, that it's good for you too, right? So that one person is not just running away with all the premises and no, we're going to do this. We're going to build a cabin on the mountain. Well, you never asked me, darling, but I'm going to say yes anyway, because I want you. So I will say yes to it, right? And then 10 years later, I hate you for having me, making me build that cabin in the mountain, you know, <laughs> you know, that's the thing, you know, yeah. that's, that's when it becomes subconscious and compulsive. So, you know, anything that's subconscious is compulsive and we can't really control it. You know, it's like, it could be traumatic, you know, trauma underneath. Pluto often carries a, a great, um, it's a trauma thing sometimes too, because you have previous memories of losses or things that went wrong, or like maybe you have a lifetime where you lost some partners and, and uh, you do anything not to lose this relationship, right? You Then rather you're like the, the nightmare is, oh, then I'll be alone. Because there's been these experiences of being so alone. Actually, that's, I would think, you know, sometimes as well, you know, that also applies for the Pluto and Scorpio generation, because that's also very much into these deep soul growth changing relationship. These two signs are very connected to each other because they both want relationships. But Libra is way more cerebral and experimental and, you know, flip-flops from one side to another. I know my ex-partner, he had that and he was so funny. He tried out all kinds of different diets, you know, like, a, like then herbal this, herbal that. And, and eventually his body got all confused because of too much experimentation. And of course, if you experiment with relationships in the same way, you can get a little confused. What is it that I want? Who am I in all this? You know, so the uh, development of identities is, you know, the antidote for, you know, and being able to not project so much onto another, you know, own up. You just own up to what you, you know, have authenticity as you, as you know, come back to that. And, and that's why sometimes these people or us, we have to be alone, you know, just to clear out what's not me and what's, you know, because we get influenced. Mm. Um, a few things. I, 
why do I, my mind keeps going blank? Anyway, you talk to me and I'm Mercury and Pisces. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm Mercury and Pisces too. <laughs> oh yeah, well then two of us together in the same room. Yeah. Can't no. be good, can it? <laughs> One time I was like paying a bill with four, like I was at a table with three other Mercury and Pisces and we were having so much trouble with the math. One person went to an ATM and just like lost $20. Like, and we're just like, oh, it was like a Mercury and Pisces mess. <laughs> you've just been mercury and Pisces. <laughs> okay i remember yeah. what it is so on yeah. the thought of choice i've heard some people either of the pluto and libra generation or just with strong libra signatures they talk mm-hmm. about choice with this numinosity to it that like i can tell it's like this holy grail like choice like there's something about actually consciously making decisions that changes the whole game, you know, as opposed to this kind of like being pulled and having these whims or kind of like liking someone and going along with something like what it really means to narrow down like one's choice in a situation. It can be so stressful to make a choice because then you unchoose something else, right? You, you know, making a choice. So aware of that. Yeah, well, Aries isn't. I feel like Aries just like goes towards the thing and it doesn't matter what else is happening. Mm. Yeah, well, it can be panicky. Like for a Pluto and Libra, I can feel panicky to make a choice. I have to choose. Don't force me to choose. If you force somebody to choose who are not at a place where they can choose, you can see a lot of uh, stress reactions. And, you know, Libra is about the choice, but it's about weighing your options as well. You know, like then this and then maybe that. And you can have people going in circles for years, you know, just figuring out, well, if I leave, then maybe that and then that will happen. And then I get missed out of that quality in that person. And, oh, I'm going to miss that. And blah, blah, blah. You know, it takes forever sometimes because of the panic. But I think a lot of it has to do with uh, accepting the fact that you're alone in this life, Aries. And you can't be too dependent on other people's opinions or their choices, but you will be influenced by them and that can confuse you. So for me, it's been a lot of, uh, you know, the the uh, fiery energy of Aries is very intuitive. It's very immediate. It's visionary. Fire is visionary. It's that vision you get in that brief nanosecond where you just go, I see it now, right? You, yeah. And then after a while comes the cognitive because... You know, in um, in the old days, we had like fire, air, water, and then earth, you know, as a manifestation from God into earth. And then we have to go through the the, the air and the, the water to get to the earth first. And then the fire, the pure fire, the intuitive understanding of what is the right thing to do with this, either this yes or no thing, we'll have to go through air, thoughts. And this is where it all stops, you know, and then you have a vision like, yes, I do get the vision. And then the doubt starts to kick in, you know, through the, the eventualities, you know, what if, you know, is this, am I crazy if I believe in this vision? You know, you start second guessing the intuition. And this is where I think Pluto and Libra gets lost sometimes because they start second guessing their visions. And then they ask people, you know, because the water element in us all requires security, you know, safety, like almost like a guarantee. 
which is not going to happen if you follow the vision. You follow the vision. It's like, yeah, well, you know that. You know, you just get that one glimpse and then you have to go. This is the potential. Go, go, go. You know, you'll get there eventually. But once the mind kicks in and you start having doubts, you really want some reassurance, right? You just got to feel yourself. And, and that connection between feeling yourself and the mind might be very frustrated or even neurotic sometimes it's really causing a lot of imbalance in people and when you start second guessing your visions well and you ask people which is like some of the things i sometimes tell people if you ask two different astrologers for instance in our case you might get two different answers are you willing to go there Right. So what I try to do with people, and especially if they're very much under the influence of Pluto and Libra or anything Libran, is like, what was your orig original vision? Right. What was that thing before you started to make it difficult for yourself, before you started worrying about all the little details, mm -hmm. for instance? Because remember the vision. You had it to begin with. You knew how many people haven't you met who just felt when they got together with somebody, they heard, no, I'm not going to marry this person or this is not going to work out in the long run. And still they held on. Yeah. Yeah. Out of fear of making a mistake or, you know, like there's always, it's, it's, it's understandable. When you get them back to their intuition, they will go, but I heard that the moment I got together with this person. I remember it now. Yeah, sure. Because intuition whispers. It's just a little like, ding, you know, compared to emotions and thoughts that makes a lot of noise and is really occupying a lot of space in the consciousness. Right. And it's so pure. And it takes so much faith to believe in it. So again, you guide the Pluto in Libra generation back to the Aries point, right? To that vision that they had, the intuition that they had. And then choices can be approached in an easier way, right? But it doesn't mean that weighing different options is not a good thing. It's just that you have to know when to stop. Sooner or later, you have to jump, right? Yeah. So maybe a lot of us saw that um, well, grew up with uh, around people who weren't actually weighing out the different options who were way too dramatic. I mean, we had a, a lot of us had Pluto in, in Leo parents, very dramatic, slamming the doors and like, whoop, you know, like, <laughs> so we were more like, hmm, maybe we need to be more, pedo, pedo, how do you say the pedagogical about it? Pedagogical. You say that. I think it's the weirdest English name, but it's word, but it's pedagogical about it. Yes, you have to be more, you know, conscious about yourself and how you affect others with all your reactions and blah, blah, blah. So we're really trying to find that midpoint between expressing our individuality and actually listening to another in the process and weighing the different options. Yeah, that is an incredible thing to balance. Well, Libra is a sign of paradoxes, you know, balance is not a thing. It's, it's, it's a process. We think balance is a, is a permanent state. It's a constant process. I've been thinking about something lately. Um, it, 
I guess I was talking about it in the forecast last week, so it's fresh on my mind, but, um, and I was thinking about it with Venus square Neptune of how I think that there's a type of consciousness that thinks that having no boundaries and just being open to anything in the swell of like being swept away by love is somehow attractive or pleasing. But I notice more and more when I watch films or TV shows with like very compelling romantic storylines that the characters mm. that are so lovable have very strong wills. They know who they are. Mm. And mm. I just wonder about that kind of trap of thinking like, oh, if I just do everything and I'm, I am this person's fantasy, then they will keep me. But then it actually doesn't bring that charge or kind of needed polarity mm. um, or selfhood into the relationship. And then the relationship falls away and the person who is acting out that construct may or not be aware that that's what was repelling was that they weren't in touch with themselves. And then they think harder and be better. Like, yeah. I'm just wondering what you think about that. Oh yeah, definitely. It's such a good point. It's, and we're going into that Venus Neptune now. Oh, another one. No, just kidding. Watch your wallets, people. You know, Now, the thing is that, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. The push and pull thing, the push and pull dynamics of a relationship, you know, um, when you want something, this is a very platonic lesson. When you want something as badly, so badly that you lose yourself, you get pushed, you know, people pull away. It's too, too much pressure. It's too desperate. It's just not sexy. True power rests in your authentic self. This is when true sexiness comes back to you, when you are really true to yourself. So again, the individuality aspect of making any relationship work is absolutely what we are talking about here and what you touched upon in your comment there. Because it's like, it's actually something I thought about actually today, (laughs) to be quite honest, you know, how much power lies within us when we know our inner worth. But with the Pluto in Libra archetype, maybe there's been previous lifetimes where the only value you had was when you served others, right? So that's how you got value. You got value through being nice. You got love through being nice. You got attention through being serving, for instance. And that was the only way you could get it. So that might be an explanation as to why some of these patterns are so incredibly difficult for the Pluto in Libra generation to get over because there's been like a a previous experience, even in this lifetime, right? A lot of people grew up like that. Like, yes, I was rewarded for my good behavior and then I was punished for my bad behavior, aka when I was authentic and I said things straight out. And the school system as well. How we see it today, it's really about, yes, you have to be so-and-so, you have to be so polite all the time. You can't really express your wild side in this society anymore because being civil together means that we deal with that in a constructive way. Um, (laughs) But I know, at least for me, you know, this being more true to myself is the only path possible. Anytime I tried something else, it just led to rejection or disaster. So I guess there's actually no choice. So that's the choice that is easy to make, right? Because it's the only choice that will work. Focus on your individuality. And then it's like, 
oh, but then I'm alone. Yeah. Be fine with being alone. We've touched on a few angles of this in terms of like what empowers this generation. It's like that connection to self. Mm. Um, But yeah, can you speak more to kind of what you see empowering this generation? Well, basically, I think that's the essence of it, right? And um, being able to speak freely, you know, as communication, just say things as they are. There's always what I've observed is that there's always a lot of weighing back and forth. Should I say this? Should I say this differently? Like out of fear of causing disruption or disharmony, you know, out of causing a fear of of causing rejection in one way or another. There's very often a fear of communicating directly. Or, you know, sugarcoating things, you know, there's like it's extremely it can be very soft on the outside and, and, and not completely authentic as to what the inner feelings are, right? So a lot of this, um, well, I think a lot of us find a lot of uh, inspiration through the Pluto in Scorpio generation, which is like, life or death, I will not, you know, surrender. <laughs> <laughs> I will go through this battle if it costs me my life. Like you are way much direct in your approach to each other like you just talk about everything right we are just learning to talk about everything so for us it's quite new grounds you know it's like hmm. so suddenly we're becoming each other's psychotherapists in a way and it's becoming a safe place because the trauma for a lot of us have have been that you know if we've seen it not for maybe through personal lives but we've seen it with like it, it's kind of like a memory there that if you don't say or do the right things, there will be some sort of punishment in a way, right? People won't accept you then, or they won't like you, right? So you will be alone again. So I think, you know, one of the things that really empowers this generation is the acceptance of innate aloneness. You're alone. That's it. You're going to, I normally say this, you're born alone and you die alone. Now, define alone, of course, you know, being who I am, I believe in the connection to the greater cosmos. So I don't really feel alone, alone. But being able to, to, to take personal initiative, to be with yourself, to take charge of your own direction in your own life, get to know yourself. Who are you really? Where is your passion? Because it's through your, the love you feel that you individualize. I love things you don't love, right? It is, you know, like we don't love the same things, right? But it's that that makes us um, um, individuals. You know, we can be humans together under the same sky and be agree on certain basics, right? But we will love different things on a personal level, and that's fine. Right. So loving the, the pure love of life, the passion of life, the fire of life is what we, you know, would empower this generation a lot. And I see that a lot because I work a lot with this generation and I am one as well. So it's it's um, it's it's again a question of being able to to be in your in the presence of your own self and to be inspired also, you know, alone. Like you don't need an input. Um, 
So I think being alone or, or accepting that aloneness might be probably the most empowerful, empowering thing. And now with Chiron and Aries as well, right? It's, right. Uh, it's cooking through that sign. Yeah. So it's, we're going to see a lot of this. Well, the next, how long will Chiron be in Aries? It's uh, quite a bit, actually. It's like because the longest in Aries. Yeah, because it's in its uh, perihelion. So it's far away from the sun. So we're in for a long ride there where this initiative, anything Aries actually is being challenged. Um, do you take initiative in your own life? Are you a leader in your own life? Are you, you know, uh, motivated um, do, what do you need to get motivated? You know, find that inner warrior that's ready to take on the challenges of life without expecting that somebody else will come and do it for you. And then you can have um, healthy cooperations where both individuals are aware of their inner power and worth. You know, they know that they don't outsource their need for validation and love to an extent that is desperate or self-destructive so um and there's also this thing you know like um pluto in, a lot of pluto in libra generation that i meet are very oh, manipulations they hate them right they hate being manipulated they hate manipulating they're like but they it doesn't mean they don't do it au contraire you know but they're just like this generation sort of cracked the code that there's actually a game going on in love and I do have a friend who is Pluto in the seventh house in Libra. And she's like, I hate the game. I hate it. So I have to wait so and so long before I send a message and la, 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 la. You know, well, then don't play it. Yeah, don't play it. Well, then comes the challenge of being civil enough to not just go there and totally, you know, be too much either. Right. So I think a lot of Pluto and Libra people feel like if they're they're scared that they be too much, like like their raw, authentic expression will be too much. So it's better to hold back a little bit. Uh, whereas. Yeah, I mean, all the air signs is about civilness, you know, being civil towards each other. We live in a civilization. If we were all, you know, all just saying it as it is, wherever we went. I guess we would have quite a bit of riots everywhere. And we see that too. That's part of the problem, you know, with a lot of fighting and and and, and discussions and war is that people don't have self-consciousness. But once you get self-conscious, you can get too self-conscious and then stop everything. So I guess that's the balance point as well that Libra, Pluto and Libra generation are trying to figure out. That's How so do I? Yeah. Well, at least you have to be honest with yourself. That's the first thing that you can be. And then you have to figure out how to communicate that to the world in a way that's not enhancing the problem. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's like a, there was this film, it was like an animation of a bunch of Khalil Gibran poems. And there's one poem about like the spaciousness and love and the animation shows a partner dance and there's these images of one person stepping forward, the other stepping back. Now the other person steps back and the other person steps forward and that dance being like reciprocity, but not necessarily calculating, Oh, if I take this long to text them back then this, but it's kind of seeing, are they, are they mm. matching your bids for connection? So to say, mm. or receiving it. 
um, mm. as opposed to someone who's not receiving it and you keep kind of knocking at their door and starting to mm. feel bad when you do that. Mm. Yeah, it's all about not being, falling out of self-respect. And that's why the dance metaphor is excellent for the Pluto and Libra generation because once you have the push and pull thing, it's so easy to be dragged into it. I'm sure you can recognize that, you know, when some people pull back and it's like your consciousness is just flying after it and start hunting something that doesn't want you. And um, there's this thing, what, I, what you seek is seeking you, you know, the, that's just a thing. I mean, like, just relax. You know, just relax. And I think that yin yang, yang balance that is part of the Libra archetype is just about that. Learning how to read life, how to dance with life. Is life, you know, answering your call or is it not? You know, so if somebody pulls back, why, why do you let yourself, you know, go into a mode where you try to convince somebody that you're lovable or that you love them? Just let them go dance, you know, like this thing. And it's really beautiful. It's actually free from a lot of psychological damage, actually. Because I've seen a lot of stuff going down in that department of life that is really not dignified. You know, we are, we have dignity, right? And we shouldn't uh, compromise it. So that's a very like Aries thing. Like I'm a dignified <laughs> warrior. I will not compromise my dignity. <laughs> yeah. 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 I see it in both like Libra civilized, like the Libra Aries, you know, are so similar energies when you start to think about that polarity. Two sides of a coin. And so I started seeing the whole zodiac, like two sides of a coin, Aquarius to Leo, Capricorn to Cancer. It's just two sides of this, of the very similar process. You know, one needs the other in order to function as a whole. So I like, um, again, the brilliancy of the evolutionary understanding of everything. You know, it's just one of those doors that it opens up is to understand the natural evolution of the zodiac and the natural polarities. So it was brilliant, the Pluto polarity point. Uh, It's just excellent study material if you want to get into how to solve the Pluto thing, you know, how to, you know, how to really solve it because it's, it's not easy, right? Because it deals with our most subconscious, our most hidden sides of things that we like to keep away from everything else, our most vulnerable parts, our addictions, our traumas, our hidden sides, our weaknesses. And, um, if we get an opportunity to empower ourselves through doing some of that Pluto polarity work or dealing with some of that Pluto energy in our own charts, life would be so much better. You know, it's just so much better. Like, for instance, the Pluto in Scorpio or anything Scorpio actually is this abandonment issue that comes in sometimes, like as if life itself abandoned you. You know, this feeling of being stuck on a planet, you know, abandoned by God, even. It's such a devastating, destructive experience, you know, because we need to feel connected to our souls. I think that yearning is stronger than we have previously thought of it. Like atheism does that to us, you know, like, yeah, no, you don't have a soul. And it's like, that for me is the worst thing we've 
could have been exposed to in these dark ages so far away from, you know, we are in the Kali Yoga after all, you know, in the dark ages and we're far away from spirit. And, and now they slayed the soul. Now you don't have a soul. It's like, ah, I can't breathe. What? I don't have a soul? You know, I am a soul. You know, I think, you know, yeah, take religion away from people. I mean, that's doable. But don't take spirits away from them. Soul and spirit. That's like, what's left then? What? The, the, the furnitures? Because that's it, you know? Like, it's like, there's no um, juice. The juice is gone. Mm. I mean, you're not here randomly. None of us are. Right. And once the soul starts operating in your life, it's just pure magic starts happening. And this, you feel this really... is your name too. <laughs> you oh, are yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pure coincidence. I'm <laughs> sure. Maybe, I don't know. Born into it, you know. Well, I've been. I'm the whole esoteric, um, the meditation that I've been practicing. Uh, for the last 20 years. And so it's just about the antakarana, the bridge between the different bodies. First, you bridge the bodies in your body, of course, through the chakras and, you know, that type of work that we can do with the yoga and the breathing and there's psychotherapy and, you know, anything that makes it flow again. But the most important work, any medi- uh, any person, you know, um, walking that path is doing is to connect the soul with the persona and from there to the spirit, you know, so there's like a, uh, an actual um, meditation on, on, on some centers where you actually connect them. Um, and when the underworld and, you know, the upper levels, the upper worlds and, and this world is, is being united. And um, we had some discussions about it, like, and then we, he said, my, my ex-boyfriend and I, we talked a lot about these things, especially as we approached the Pluto-Pluto square, which happened around 36, 37 for the Pluto and Libra generation. This happens because of the elliptical journey through the zodiac. It happens at different ages for most people, but it will happen either before the Neptune, Neptune square and Uranus, Uranus opposition while it happens or bef- after you know, my parents had it after I had it before. And it depends where you were born in the cycle. And then he said, well, according to esoteric knowledge, you know, the soul doesn't start to incarnate until the age of 36. And that's when we were in the middle of our Pluto-Pluto squares. And I gave it a thought, like, I, I, I often get a little skeptical when people say things like that, like, oh, 36, are we sure it's not 36 and a half, you know? <laughs> are we, and can it happen before? Again, back to evolutionary astrology. Yeah, sure. You know, there's connection with the soul all the time. It's, it was keeping us together. I sometimes see it as an atomic force holding all the atoms of your body together. It's actually holding you as form. Without it, when it leaves, you the form starts to disintegrate. You return to earth, right? So it's what keeps, it's the life that keeps everything together. You know, without it, we just disintegrate. So of course, there's always connection. But what is the conscious connection with the soul? When you understand why you're here which is kind of the Pluto work we're trying to do. Why am I here and who am I? Then 
there is this more conscious understanding of the soul, a more conscious connection to the soul. And I think a lot of people, as Jung also said, you know, life begins at 40. Everything you do before that is preparation. It doesn't mean you don't live before you're 40. It's just that there is just something happening around that time where you sort of get into an, a recognition of something that is incredibly valuable and very subtle often as well. And a lot of these other processes of creating your life, of learning how to survive and blah, 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 are calming down a little bit. You know, because it's, you know, most of, uh, at least that's the truth for me. You know, I spent a lot of time just exploring different expressions until I got to, you know, past that Uranus, Uranus opposition where I was much more precise in, in my own uh, expression. So I think it's a universal thing, though, even though I don't want to take any opportunity away from anybody who is really, you know, evidently like you yourself, for instance, and a lot of our younger colleagues, uh, you know, got the hunch of very early, you know, I'm onto something. I think I need to go this way. You know, <laughs> So absolutely. But it is that stability that happens in one way or another. Like, well, I know where to go now, you know, like I understand, like I, I can lean into my soul. Um, and that's um, why I recommend meditation because eventually that would be why we sit for meditation so that you can get that connection to that very authentic expression that is you as a soul it's a little high flying and a lot of people get a little allergic reactions to it but for me it's the truth you I know, like that's it. why yeah. yeah, yeah. well, you, know, you were into evolutionary astrology. <laughs> I guess that's why I like it so much, because it carries that energy. It includes the soul. Yeah, it's such a transmission. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like psychology means the study of the soul, right? Logos, psyche, psyche and logos, right? Psyche is the soul. Logos is knowledge, knowledge of the soul. That's what it means. But they efficiently took away the study of anything that has to do with transpersonal energy in the psychology studies we know today. You have to go to, um, you have to go to um, the, um, oh my God, um, um, transpersonal psychologies to get right. a little bit, yeah, psychosynthesis, for instance, um, which a lot of evolutionary astrologers practices, practice as well. Right. Mm. So, so yeah, one more thing I wanted to ask you about Pluto and Libra for a moment mm -hmm. um, is just how do you think that this generation has influenced the social fabric? What do you think their gifts are that they've brought? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, hard to say yet, actually, because we're in the middle of that rising into power thing. You know, you will see a lot of Pluto and Libras becoming prime ministers and whatnot. You know, we've we've already seen a lot of the younger generation taking, you know, like, you know, uh, position like uh, Justin Trudeau uh, of um, Canada. And then uh, you, for instance, have the French prime minister. I think he also I'm not sure if he is. The Danish prime minister is without doubt a Pluto in Libra generation. And. Um, well, I think so far what I've seen is that they bring a lot of diplomacy into the to circulation. It's um, 
it's very polite, you know, sometimes to, you know, to such a degree that it, it doesn't really know how to exert power. You know, you just become a little weak in it, right? Um, but if, if we just look at politics, I think, you know, it's bringing in true diplomacy as an art form. And for me, a true diplomat is somebody who's really connected to the Aries archetype as well and well capable of confronting when necessary, right? So, uh, but on the other hand, also very, very capable of understanding the other side of the table, which I think is, you know, bringing the peace. So that's um, part of what I think we will bring into, um, you know, to to you know, into the world. It's also a lot of good, um, again, within how to teach and, and train children, how to listen to children, how to um, really be there for another, right? So as teachers and, and, and people working with children, I've seen an amazing shift since, for instance, I had to go to school. Wow, my children had teachers with that signature and I'm so grateful. My goodness, what great teachers weren't they? You know, like really there for you and really, you know, greeting you with the best and seeing each child as uniquely important and talented and gifted and really wanting to understand how to approach those children who weren't um, fitting the mold, right? Um, we also, of course, brought a lot of great design into uh, the world. You know, um, it's um, it's kind of a posh and snobby generation in many ways. We love aesthetics, you know, just, oh gosh, those colors aren't, aren't matching. You're like, it's really like um, um, a good design along with Pluto in Virgo. Great design. They brought just the best minimalism, if you like, you know, it's really minimal. Um, so, um, but as you mentioned in our mail before we started, you also mentioned that we haven't done much out of us. We're not as flamboyant and colorful as a lot of others, other, you know. Well, that's like, I've heard some comments about, yeah. like people will talk about the generations and they brush over Pluto and Libra and they make a joke about it. And I'm personally like, what are you talking about? Like, I feel very influenced by the Pluto and Libra generation. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean... That's because I've had close friendships and even romantic relationships with Pluto and Libra oh, individuals. Yeah. So that influence has been in one-on-one -on -one connection, mm. but like life-changing. Mm. Yeah, well, then maybe you're better at explaining to me what that brought to you. But it's probably that uh, self-conscious, diplomatic understanding, the, the depth understanding of, you know, what it means to be two, for instance, on our, you know, like, and also a great understanding of other people's psychologies, you know, this is because that person is like that and like a very strong um, capacity to understand yeah. another human being. I, uh, so when I was, I guess, <laughs> starting from when I was 19, I, I dated Pluto and Libras and I only started dating Pluto and Scorpios when they got older. Cause I guess mm -hmm. I just had a thing for like people past their Saturn return, but um, <laughs> like I, one of my, 
uh, partners had like a whole Libra stellium, including Pluto and Libra. And we would go to parties and he pointed out, he's like, those, that person likes you or that person was like vibing with you. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I just didn't even notice. You didn't even notice. To point out to me <laughs> the social dynamics in a room. He mm. also was like very friendly. And I remembered asking him one time, like, why do you talk to people? Like, I wasn't asking in a judgmental way. I was just genuinely baffled of like, what are you getting out of these kind of small talk conversations? Mm. Like, I just see it like being a bird and, you know, birds whistle at other birds and just have pleasant conversation. And so the time that I spent with him, I, I actually learned how to be more sociable and how to be friendlier Mm -hmm. and how to notice when people liked me. And Mm. that was definitely like a Pluto, you know, I have a Pluto and Libra friend who or a, quite a few Pluto and Libra friends who just when they talk about dating, like I'm downloading insight, like it's a pure transmission from them. Like I mm. just, you know, so it's been an intimate conversation and personal friendship and romance, you know. And so I think when people maybe talk about uh, larger cultural issues and they're like, oh, Pluto and Leo and Pluto and Scorpio. And they're just like talking about the ones that are being loud in that way. I think that the Pluto and Libra generation for me, you know, I've found their influence very much in relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. And, um, you know, and that's so important, especially today on earth, you know, so I, I'm hoping that we can get uh, some successful leaders out of that generation who are really also capable of showing some strength and muscles when that is needed. But Right now, we need people who are willing to listen a little bit more because we need more redemption in our society. We need the capacity to be more uh, forgiving with each other and understanding. So I would um, hope that a balanced and well-developed, you know, uh, individual leader with uh, Pluto and Libra would take the world scene and show us all how we do that thing. Because Mm -hmm. we live in a world, whether we like it or not, we have to cooperate each country because this is such a huge ecological crisis that we're facing right now that we have to work together. So separatism is not on the table for the moment, whether we like it or not. And yeah, um, there's been a lot of talk about globalism and, and all these things and, you know, world orders and how can we trust anybody? And the, 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 the lack of trust today is, of course, understandable. Actually, it is. You know, we don't have any reason maybe to trust, you know, governments who, who've been more self-serving than people serving. Right. Um, but it's like we're being forced to cooperate. We're just being forced. I mean, the water that connects us, the sky that connects us, you know, the earth that connects us, these basic resources and the primary needs that they represent are now in a situation where we need cooperation. And that would require a Pluto in Libra leader who is capable of, or or even I had a hope like the Pluto in in Virgo generation. Okay, finally, somebody who can come and clean up the the mess. (laughs) (laughs) No, but if if it's weak Pluto in Libra generation who are just like, I'm just, you know, saying whatever is appropriate, you know, and then you get this shallow underdeveloped part of it, then it's not good at all. You have to have those who really integrated the Pluto um, polarity point in Aries and who really like are 
courageous enough to stand up for something and who has the warrior energy inside. So that's what I'm hoping for, you know, like, you know, and now we have a Pluto in Virgo uh, leader, right? She has a lot of Pluto in Libra in her cabinet, though, and they're doing quite a good job for the time being with this whole COVID crisis. Now, it's a small country, so it's uh, it's um, this is it's in Norway. Yeah. Yeah. In Norway. Yeah. And it's a dog that's uh, easy to train. You know, the people, you know, like you just, I don't know, it's not so unruly and like it's not such a difficult, it's a different it, uh, animal in a way, if you want to call it something. I, I don't know if that's an. Again, this Pluto and Libra. Did I say something wrong? Maybe I said something to offend somebody. You know, you're also- <laughs> I'm following you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's always that thing, you know, like today I saw this, uh, um, there was this comedy girl, woman who said, because we're we're also a generation of feminists along with you know the Pluto and Scorpio generation it's like feminism was a thing injustice you know we have to have fairness and understandably enough because it wasn't really balanced was it you know so um but then she said no it was that beautiful Drew Barrymore she's also Pluto in Libra she was being interviewed by um 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 another comedian and she said something like spontaneously said something in her Pisces magic way and then she suddenly stopped herself and she thought did I say something maybe I offended somebody will I be cancelled you know like she had that like so I I think we you know that's also part of the Pluto and Libra thing like we cancel each other out if we don't do the appropriate thing or like we're if we're coming out a little bit too much Aries and spontaneous and you know a little bit directly like that I often get that you know like oh oops I said something again (laughs) I learned to live with it you know sometimes okay you're a lively speaker (laughs) (laughs) this is honestly I've been seeing a bunch of the lights that I see and yeah Mm -hmm. I see these little sparks of light I feel like maybe I don't know if I've told you about them the little sparks of light yeah they yeah they're like um they're usually blue but i see a bunch of colors but mostly blue and they Ah. pop um into my field of vision often when i'm writing like i'll also like when i'm trying to make a decision or work through something i'll just like close my eyes and talk to them basically and they will they'll light up to verify truth like sometimes i'll say a hypothesis like something i think and i won't see a light and i'm like so that wasn't true and then i'll see a light i'm like oh i thought that was true you know so i just have this kind of like thing but i've been seeing them around you on the screen quite a bit in this interview yeah It's such a Mercury Pisces thing to say, but I love it. I love it. It's like the, the, exactly. That's how we can communicate with several dimensions. And thank you. Wow. I'm popping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, at the times that I've seen you speak at Norwalk, I'm just like sitting there like, oh my God, souls are moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I will take that with me for the rest of my life. You're aware of that. I will take it to my heart. That was a beautiful thing to say. Thank you. Well, sometimes strange things pops out of me, but I guess I have to live with that. It's part of the package. (laughs) But yeah, so um, I don't know what I got distracted by 
when I started stopping myself talking about, but the leaders, yeah, sure. You know, like uh, having those fierce leaders who are capable of standing up and, and protecting, you know, the true and the good and the beautiful. I feel like that was, that's a very uh, Pluto in Libra statement, the true, the good, the beautiful. And I feel that they are connected in exactly that way. When something is true, it's good. And then it becomes beautiful, you know, and it doesn't have to be so comfortable truth, right? But it's good. It's not evil in nature, right? It's, it's good. And then when you can accept that, your life becomes beautiful. So, so I'm, I'm a big fan of those, you know, um, I think it was Plato actually and, and, and the it, uh, divine virtues or what they could, they're called something, you know, higher truths or something like that. So I can't really remember, but it's kind of like um, um, a guidance through life. So I always try that, you know, seek out truth, no matter what, no matter what other people might think, right? Mm. It's just um, hard sometimes. Mm. So I will do that. I will start connecting with the lights and ask them instead. That's a great way. Okay, I'll bring that with me. <laughs> what you want? This time we're talking with the blue light. <laughs> yes, I'm all about it. You know, and there's some Mercury and Pisces people that listen to this podcast and are like, I feel so empowered because people say bad oh. things about Mercury and Pisces. Yeah, they do. And like evolutionary astrology doesn't really work with essential dignity, but in Hellenistic no, yeah. Yeah, astrology, yeah. Mercury and Pisces is not that high up, not that empowered, but it's actually no. a very, I mean, I think it's a visionary energy, if I might speak mm-hmm. <laughs> biasedly. Um, but yeah, so I think that people listening who have had that, you know, response, they can feel validated again, listening to your Mercury and Pisces. I spent quite a bit of time thinking about that because that's also one of the things that turned me off with a lot of classical astrology is, you know, oh, it's in detriment or damn, I'm screwed, you know, like, but if you understand uh, uh, Mercury in Pisces, yeah, because what is Mercury? It's it, in Virgo, you know, it's pragmatic, it's logical, it's oriented towards the, you know, 3D world and just so you can be practical about it and organize all the details. You know, Pluto and Mercury are traveling in way different dimensions. It's like I can get lost in nothingness quite easily. It's like, oh, it's 3 a.m.? My goodness, you know, like because I was somewhere. And that... And I would never be without it, even though if I can't really communicate to people in coherent sentences, sometimes what I've been experiencing or what I saw, I need time to find the right words to translate. I still wouldn't be without it. You know, it's um, it's 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 just pure beauty. You know, like sometimes like you get inspired and Neptune is very important for for those level of, of transpersonal inspiration when you really get lost in some higher realm. Um, but you can also with Mercury in Pisces get lost in some dimensions you don't want to be like, oops, I just think I ran into my own madness or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, I met that one. Oh, um, yeah. But it is when it works well, you know, and, and when it's developed, it's amazing. You have to develop those psychic yeah, skills that is in Mercury and Pisces because it does have some extra channels open. Like you can see those lights and I have other things that I, you know, I go by, you know, that I just see, you know, just like, oh, 
I just see through things in a way, you know, so, but it has to be trained and it has to be understood. So I think, you know, with Mercury and Pisces, there's a lot of training in oversensitivity actually that is required. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to think about that. That could be like a whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> a whole episode. How yeah. to train up the yeah oversensitivity is something that I worked a lot with through meditation and classes that I've given as well, because it's uh, the inner realms once they are open to collective energies and you start feeling you seeing things you don't know what it is. It can be anything. You have to be a little like. Mm, like you are blessed, you get some sort of, um, you ask for truth, right? Is this uh, an illusion or a fantasy? Am I projecting like, or is this truth? And then you have some sort of a, a communication system that tells you whether or not you're far off or not. You like, like, yeah. So that is uh, actually something that needs to be developed so that you don't get lost. Mercury travels in all dimension. He's the psychonaut. So he can go into Hades and he can go into any realm, right? The problem is he needs to know where he is. Have a map, yeah. Have a map, yeah. Just be aware of. Be a conscious traveler. And then it can be quite fun, you know, it can be very helpful for other people. Well, we should have you back sometime then. (laughs) And how can people find you? And do you do uh, consultations? Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 yes, I'm well into the regular, uh, you know, astrology world where I give readings and consultations and um, also some healing work. Yeah, I just meant like currently, I got a great reading from you at Norwalk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, 2020 was an interesting year for astrologers. So I think, uh, yeah, it's busier than ever. And that's super nice. Very, very fun to be able to, to see that the world of astrology is super, it's expanding. And thanks to podcasts like yours. And I also have a podcast, but I do a little variety where I'm like, I want to talk about healing. I want to talk about meditation. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to talk a little bit about everything that I'm passionate about. And then I have my website, uh, soulvit as, uh, dot com. So What's and then the you find me on spot. It's called soul side up. Nice. So uh, you find me on uh, under Polaris Astrology on YouTube because Polaris Astrology is my um, hub. Mm. Okay. And I'll yeah. include those links in the notes. Yep. Um, Sweet. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it was lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you. for listening if you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it i would love to read your review if you leave a review on apple podcasts or itunes and take a screenshot of that review before you click submit and email that screenshot over to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com i'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality Also know if you're newer to this podcast that you can find my weekly forecast on the podcast. You can also find it on my YouTube channel, Sabrina Monarch, or on my website, monarchastrology.com. I also teach evolutionary astrology courses, which I announce and talk about here as they're upcoming. We have a new one starting tomorrow as I record this. 
So it'll be a little bit before the next one, but I would love to support you on your journey of learning evolutionary astrology. And in the meantime, I hope that you enjoy this podcast and thank you for being here.